Thank you, thank you. Man, it's great to be in the room here at Icon Church. To be honest, it's just nice to be out of Norfolk, all right? It was great to be out in the fresh air, and what an honor to be with you. We absolutely love Rach and I, your senior pastors, and uh, Pastors Paul and Jeannie. Come on, why don't you give it up for them in the chat? Thank God for them. And also your team. We get the privilege of hanging out with your team, occasionally with Nathan and, and Debbie, but also most weeks now, we hang out with an amazing bunch of your leaders, and that includes um, Ben, who, who's here, and of course, Nathan and April, and we even, and Dan, of course, but we even had this week baby Nova, one week old, and she was in Accelerate Training for Leaders. That is pretty impressive. So I think it's fantastic that you guys as a church are investing in the next generation of leaders. And let me tell you, they are standouts. So come on, why don't we give, give it up one more time for your whole leadership team. And of course, if you are new, new to Icon Church, you just tune in maybe the first time or you're relatively new, we want to extend the warmest welcome to you, all right? This is a church that absolutely loves new people and you've made a great choice. These are fine people. So come on, those in the room, one more time. Let's give it up for all of the new people. Why don't we take a moment and pray? Come on, who, who needs God's help at the moment? I think we all do, so let's open our hearts. Father, I want to thank you. You see every person wherever they're at right now, whatever room they're in, whether they're in their car or on a jogging track, Lord. You see and you know, and I pray, Holy Spirit, you will take this word, connect with their hearts in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, and everyone with a bit of faith said in the chat, Write it in there. Amen. I'll never forget the first time I was arrested by the police. In fact, it's the only time I've been arrested. I'm 13 years old and I'm living up in County Durham, a northern lad who gets up to a bit of mischief occasionally. Anyone else know any northern lads that get up to a bit of mischief? Write it in the chat. Write their names, you little tinkers. And I asked my mom and dad, I said, can I go and hang out with my mates? And they said, what all good moms and dads do, just don't get into trouble, son. We spent the night playing football, and then when we'd finished, we bumped into a gang of lads who started throwing stones at us. So, of course, we did what every self-respecting young northern lads do. We threw stones back. And I see this guy called Philip Trawney. He steps out from uh, behind a side road, and he throws a rock at me. I think, right, I'm going to get him. And I picked up this rock, and I chucked it as hard as I could. And it was going straight towards him. But have you ever thrown a rock that's not one of those smooth rocks? It had the jagged edges. And at first, it was all flowing flowing, it doesn't flow, it was going on a straight trajectory, but then it started to swerve to the right. Have you ever done that? Unfortunately, to the right was a road, and along the road was a car coming straight towards me, and it was like slow motion. This, as the rock flew to the right, it went straight through the car windscreen. And everything went very still for a moment. Of course, we all legged it, every single one of it. We just ran. Two hours later, I arrive home. There's a white car in our drive in our farm, and inside were two police officers. 
Now, thankfully, nobody was injured, but I was arrested, taken to the police station to make a statement. Came back home, and I felt like I'd really let myself down. More importantly, felt that I'd let my mom and dad down. And so they told me that the windscreen had been broken and it was going to cost 300 pounds to replace, which was a lot of money back then. And so I did a bit, a bit of working for my dad in the, on the farm. I used to help milk the cows. So I got up early next morning. My dad would pay me one pound an hour. Come on, those were the days. And uh, I'd milk the cows early in the morning. As soon as I got in from school, straight back into the parlor, milked again. And that week, I earned the princely sum of 16 pounds. I knew this was going to take a bit of time. When I received that first paycheck of 16 pounds, I handed it back to my dad and said, Dad, this is to pay for the car windscreen. I'll never forget the look in my dad's eyes. My dad, my dad was a very kind man. He says, it's all right, son. It's already been paid. Now I remember in the next few moments, if I'm really honest, there was a part of me that was incredibly grateful. A weight had been lifted, the, the weight of the debt. But there's also a part of me on the inside that whispered, Steve, you're the, you're the one that did it wrong. You're the one who has to pay for this. Can't expect your dad to pay the whole thing you need to keep working until you pay some of this back. I felt like I needed to pay a price that had already been paid. The title of my message today is this. Have you ever tried to pay a price that has already been paid? 30 years ago, I read a book by an English theologian by the name of John Stott. The book is called The Cross of Christ. And this book took me on a, literally a life-changing journey. As we head into the season of Easter, where we consider the magnitude of all that Christ has done for me and for you, can I take you on a journey? The same journey I went on 30 years ago, I want to take you to three places to look at three words, and I believe three life-changing truths. Got to warn you, it starts with some bad news for all of us. So whether you're watching here in Chesterfield, in Derby, in Sheffield, in Rotherham, or particularly for you little tinkers in Stocksbridge, all right, it starts with some bad news. Are you ready for it? This journey is three verses in Romans 3. It starts with Romans 3, 23. Well-known scripture to some of you. It says this, for all, everyone say all, type it in the chat, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all thrown rocks, broken our windscreens. Some of us have done things that maybe were more serious that we're really not proud of. And sometimes we carry the scars of that. And William Barclay commenting on this said this, he says, the inevitable thing to say next 
would be this. God is just and therefore condemns the sinner as a criminal. That's what you would expect because we've all messed up. We've all sinned and fallen short. So surely that's what would come next. But who's ready for some good news? Come on, you guys in Rotherham, are you ready for some good news? It says this, the very next verse, being justified freely by His grace through the, here's another word, redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as an even bigger word, propitiation by His blood. Three big religious sounding words in one sentence. Justification, redemption and propitiation. Now if you're new to church, you probably have no clue what these very spiritual sounding words mean. Maybe if you're honest, you've been around church for a few years Still you don't know. So in order to understand these three words, we need to go on a journey to three different places. So come on, in the chat, who's up for going on a little journey through the ancient world? All right, number one, the first place we're going to go to is the law court. That's to understand justification. Then we're going to go to the marketplace. Who loves a good market? We're going to look at redemption. Then finally, we're going to go to the temple court for propitiation. So come on, who's up for the journey? Here we go. Number one, the law court. This is the word justification. When a court met in a Roman world, they would hear the case for and against a person. And at the end, they would make a verdict, which is the same as here in England. But at the end, in England, you hear... One of two words, guilty or not guilty. But the Roman court was different. The two words that would be spoken would either be condemned or justified. When a holy God looks at you, even though he knows that you've sinned, we expect him to say condemned. But what does he say? Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace. Now there ought to be a little bit of excitement on the chat at that. He didn't say condemned. He said justified freely by his grace. But How can a holy God, a just God, declare us to be justified when we've sinned. John Stott gives us three reasons. Number one, you're going to love this stuff. Write it down. The source of justification is His grace. That's the first part. Notice it's not your good deeds. It's not about how good you are. It's about how good He is. In Romans 8.33, it says it is God who justifies. I love that thought. The source of our justification is His grace. Number two, the means of justification is faith. It says in Romans 3.26, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith. Can I be honest? I think it takes faith to believe the gospel. 
The gospel is such good news that it takes faith to believe it. For some of you, it's easier to believe that you're condemned. Why? Because for so long, people have spoken that over you. Parents have spoken it over you. Teachers have spoken it Maybe you've spoken it over yourself. And it takes faith to believe that you are justified. You're made righteous through the gospel. That's the means of your justification is faith. And then thirdly, the, the effects of justification are in Christ. Romans 8 verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank God you're not standing nervously in the dock waiting for the final verdict, fearful that you are about to be condemned and judged and punished. Why not? Because on the cross, Jesus stood in your place. He took the punishment that you deserved for your sin. And therefore, because of Him, you are justified. I love that thought. Friend, I wonder, are you trying to pay a price that has already been paid. We look at the cross through the lens, firstly, of the law court. We understand this word, justification. So now our tour is going to take us from the law court to the marketplace to understand the second word, redemption. It says, verse 24, being justified freely by his grace. I mean, that's good news, but it gets better. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The root word in Greek for redemption is this word, lutron. And it means to redeem, to release, or to ransom. It was a technical term that was usually reserved for the purchase of a slave. Now, if you lived in the ancient world and a pandemic hit, there would be no furlough scheme, no social security. If you owed a debt, you would sell your possessions, your golf club, clubs, that would be hard, then your house, then your car. But eventually, if you still couldn't afford your debts, you would sell one of your children. Can you imagine having to sell one of your kids into slavery? Imagine the pain. But suppose you then received an inheritance or the military did well and the government made you a payment. You could go back into the marketplace, back to the person who had purchased your son or your daughter. And if you're a slave, you only have one way of getting free, and that is if somebody pays for a release or a redemption. The process of paying a price to purchase someone is called redemption. And to understand redemption in the Bible, there are two Ps. Number one, your plight. Number two, the price. Let's look at the first one, your plight. Paul has already said in Romans 3, 23, we've all sinned. The problem is, according to John 8, 34, that whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Slave holds us. We're in bondage. We're in fear to, to debt and to the law. And that's our desperate plight. We are slaves to sin and death. We are legally bound. We have no way out. The 
Only way to get free from slavery is if someone pays a price, a lutron, a redemption. Thank God that firstly, even when we were in our plight, secondly, a price was paid. 1 Peter 1, 18, 19, knowing that you, that's you, whoever you are, wherever you're listening to me from, in your front room, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but it goes on to say, but with the precious blood of Jesus, as of a lamb without blemish. There's the price, the blood of Jesus shed for you on the cross. When we look at the cross through the lens of redemption, we see that He paid the price. You trying to pay a price, friend, that has already been paid. What an incredible passage of Scripture. Let's look at it one last time. Verse 24, being justified freely by His grace. That's the law called. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's the marketplace. But then it says, whom God set forth as a propitiation. It's a hard word even to say, never mind to understand. Turn to the person next to you and practice, say propitiation. If you're on the chat, why don't you try writing it out? It's a hard one to spell as well. Propitiate. How do we understand this word? We've got to go to the temple, from the law court to the marketplace, and finally to the temple. Propitiation is a word few people in the West understand because it's a concept we rarely see. But in the ancient world, it was a concept they understood clearly. See, the gods of the ancient world were capricious. You say, Steve, what does capricious mean? It means they are subject to sudden changes of mood. Anyone know anyone like that? Don't write it in the chat, all right? Capricious, moody. They get angry easily. They're waiting for you to step out of line and they hurl down judgment from the heavenlies. Some of you, maybe you're new to church. And you think that that's how God feels about you. If you were to step into this building that somehow the roof would cave in. Ever felt like that? Sometimes people do. The day I understood propitiation was when I went to Thailand in 2010. I went with a missionary friend called Eric Kla. And we started in northern Thailand in Bangkok and Chiang Mai. And then we went south to a part of Thailand that very few people visit even the Thai people. It's a place called Songhai Kalok. And I've never been to a place like it. It's a whole city built on one particular industry. I'm trying to be sensitive in case there are little ears that are listening. But there were 40 hotels in this city Everyone fully occupied by men who come to that city for one reason. As we stand in the foyer of the hotel, literally we've walked in, we're invited, do we want girls? We say no, they say, do you want boys? It was that kind of place. That night, Eric, the missionary, took me into the streets and I discovered that that whole city was basically a bunch of karaoke bars, which is another name for brothels. 
And I watched as all these beautiful girls, trapped and tricked and trafficked from places like Laos and and Cambodia, tricked and trafficked into slavery to sell their bodies. And I couldn't believe these dirty, rat-infested streets where for the price of a Starbucks latte, you can have experience as one of these young girls. At the time, I had a girl, a daughter of the age 14, which is what many of those girls were. My heart was ripped out that night when I saw what went on in those streets. The next morning, when we're about to leave that horrible place, I said to Eric, would you take me back to that street? It was so dirty and all of these bars. And I said, I just want to take a picture to remember this place. And when we walked back to the, that same street, I was struck by the fact that there were all of these Buddhist monks in very distinctive orange robes. And I said to Eric, why are they all here? And I watched in amazement. These beautiful girls that were paid an absolute pittance for the experience the night before. They lived under a religion that said that if you do something wrong, it, it tips the scales of justice. And in order to appease the angry gods, you had to pay propitiation, an offering to balance the scales. I saw these girls who've received this pittance in exchange for their bodies. They take some of their earnings and they place it as a propitiationary offering to the monks. Man, my heart was ripped out that these girls who had been abused by the men are now being abused by religion. And I understood for the first time what it meant. And everything within me wanted to scream down the streets of Songhai Kolok. Don't you know? You're trying to pay a price that has already been paid. Because Jesus was our propitiation. He's our justification. He's our redemption. But on the cross, he took the anger of a holy God and he absorbed it in his own body. He paid the price that you and I deserve to pay. Why are we trying to pay a price that he's already paid? John Stott sums it up, the true power of propitiation. Hopefully you can read it along with me on your screens. Listen to this, it's powerful. God himself is at the heart of all three questions about divine propitiation. It is God himself who in holy wrath needs to be propitiated. God himself who in holy love undertook to do the propitiating. And God himself, as the Holy Son, died for our sins. God took his own loving initiative to appease his own righteous anger 
by bearing it in his own self when he took our place and died for us. Friend, God is not capricious. He's not mad at you. He's not angry about you. God is propitious. He loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants the best for you. And as I look at these three words that take a little bit of understanding, I begin to understand for the first time. These are just three images of the cross. There are many more in Scripture. But how amazing when you understand the price that he paid this Easter for you. Three words looked at through three perspectives. And lastly, three life-changing truths. Are you ready for this? This applies to you. Whatever, wherever you're listening, the online campus, this is for you. Are you ready? Number one, justification. Here's the truth. You can live free from condemnation. You can live free from condemnation. When we look at the cross through the lens of heaven's court, we hear God speaking to us, you are justified. You are made righteous. You no longer have to listen to the words condemned ringing in your ears. No matter who condemned you, no matter what you've done, no matter how long you've been carrying it, you need to listen to another voice. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And if we're going to get excited, now is a good time to get excited. God, the righteous judge, is declaring over you. I learned this just a couple of weeks ago that I use a... Microsoft Word, I'm a, I'm a PC man. Come on, give me a wave if you're PC. You know, where are all the Apple fans? I know you're out there. There you are. But I don't know whether this is true on Apple, but it certainly is a Microsoft Word. There's a button, and I, I never realized this till a couple of weeks ago. But sometimes when I'm typing, I write reasonably well, but my formatting is rubbish. Anyone else really bad at formatting? But I found that this, this button... When you fill the page with your text, you click on this button and it's called the justify button. And what it does is it lines it all up and it clears up your mess. How incredible that in heaven when we've made a mess that God clicks this justify button and it cleans up our mess and it aligns us in right relationship with him. It's nothing you can do. It's what he has done. How amazing is the gospel? Number two, redemption. Justification says you can live free of condemnation. Redemption says this. You, listen to me friend, you are more valuable than you ever imagined. More valuable. When we were in Australia, we built a house. I had a mate and we supernaturally, God provided. And uh, he built this house for us. It cost us 400,000 Australian dollars, about 300,000 pounds. We owned it, owned it for seven years and then we came back to England and we sold it. Would you like to know how much that house was worth? We had it for seven years, cost us 400,000 who thinks it's worth 500,000? Who thinks six? Can I tell you exactly what it's worth? Are you ready for this? It's worth whatever somebody is willing to pay for it. That's what it was worth. 
You say, friend, how much am I worth? Can I tell you? Can I tell you exactly what you are worth? You were worth Jesus giving his life for. He laid down his life on a cross. He paid the price that you could never pay. You say, I don't feel very worth much. I want to declare you are worth Jesus' precious blood that he shed for you. You're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold. Silver and gold, their value goes up and down on the markets. They are mere commodities. When God paid a price for you, he paid the one price that he couldn't afford to pay. He gave his son. It's an eternal price. It doesn't go up and down according to the way you look, according to how well you perform. It's not a volatile commodity. He gave his best. For you, my friend, that's how much you're worth. Jesus died for you. And then lastly, so number one, justification. Number two, redemption. You're more, more valuable than you ever as we land this plane. Number three, propiti- prop- see, I can't even say it. Propitiation. Here's the truth. The price has already been paid. You know, there's a huge difference between Being religious and being a Christian. Being religious is all about what you have to do. Every religion in the world will tell you what you've got to do. But being a Christian is all about what Jesus has already done. When he died on the cross, he declared it is finish. Religion says do. Jesus says it's done. He did it, friend, for you when he went to the cross. The price has already been paid. Maybe you've been carrying this secret sense of guilt and condemnation. There's a part of you that knows that Jesus paid the price, but there's another voice. Same voice I heard when my dad told me he'd already paid the price for that windscreen. But somehow I felt I had to work hard to somehow repay him. I've met believers who've spent years trying to pay a price that has already been paid. Friend, when you understand the cross, When you understand justification and redemption and propitiation, here's the good news. It will get rid of all of your guilt, all of your condemnation. No matter what you've done or when you did it, there is freedom in the cross. Truth is, we've all sinned. Some of us, it was serious. Let me tell you, friend, the cross broke the power of condemnation and paid the price that you could never be paid. So here's the good news, friend. You don't have to pay a price that has already been paid. Maybe you're listening to this and you say, Steve, all of this is new to me. I'd never heard those words. I just know that I'm not right with God. Friend, if you're really honest, you know you're not in a right relationship with with Him. And you're thinking, Steve, how do I get right with God? Here's the good news. It's really easy. 
you pray a prayer. You invite him to come in. He's already done it for you. You can't do anything to make you good enough for God. All you can do is have faith and believe that he's already done it for you. And it would be my greatest honor to pray a prayer with you. Maybe there's other members of the family and they too want to pray that prayer. You can do it together in your room or in your car. Maybe there's someone listening to me and you once walked with God. You were in a good place, but maybe through lockdown you've drifted away. And you know it. this is the day. This is the moment for you to come back. Get right with God and soon you're going to be back in this building. Friend, if you've drifted away, he still loves you. Why don't you pray this prayer? So come on, all together. This is a holy moment. I'm going to ask you, everyone, maybe just to put your hand on your chest. I'm going to pray. It's where your heart is. And I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you're, you believe it, you just believe this in your heart. When I pray this, and you pray it to God from your heart. Say, dear Jesus, thank you that you paid the price for me. I don't deserve it. And I can never earn it. But thank you for the cross. And right now I ask you to press that button and justify me. Take away my mess and my sin. And give me a right relationship with you. Jesus, would you come into my heart and forgive my sin. And I will live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, that is the greatest prayer you will ever pray. The greatest decision you will ever make. And we just want to congratulate you and tell you, come on, those of you in the room, let's congratulate anyone who prayed that prayer. And here's what we'd love you to do. On your screen, you'll see a button or you'll see a link. And we would love to give you a free gift. And we'd also love to encourage you to take the next step and the next step in your Christian walk. Friend, today, you made a great decision. We want to encourage you, say that we love you, and to Paul and Jeannie and all the team here, can I thank you for this awesome opportunity to get to share with you. We love you. God bless you guys. Back over to the team.